Rocket Talk on a Thursday night. I am Eddie Aragon, the Rocket Talk, right here in the Kiva, broadcasting uh, this evening live on this Thursday, January the 5th. It's the yellow day. It's uh, Jueves, right? Jupiter's Day, and glad to be here with you and yours as the uh, craziness continues up in Washington, D.C. Don't forget, you can catch me on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. I was so excited because I got caught up on all of the uh, shows for the week, uploaded that stuff. So you have a complete archive. All the rockoftalk.tv was uploaded. That's all there. We've got everything. I've got everything up and going. And no more intermittent broadcasting that seems to be uh, going on. Uh, <clears throat> we had some interference and then some problems with the receiver here. Uh, I own the radio station that I broadcast from. Uh, in addition to uh, broadcasting other places. And as always, we appreciate uh, people who patronize our advertisers in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but also those who have downloaded uh, the app. We're now more than 5,000 people have downloaded the apps. And uh, people are actually between rockoftalk.tv and the rockoftalk.com apps, nearly 9,400 app downloads, which is pretty exciting. So Glad to be uh, on the front uh, lines of that. 550-5500. Uh, everyone's excited, and uh, a lot of people trying to get used to my evening slot. Matt, thanks for joining in. And it's a time to kind of hang out in the back, get caught up on all the news of the day, and looking forward to tomorrow uh, as well, because that's what this show's about. It's about helping you get prepared for tomorrow. I've got my uh, good friend and my uh, marketing guy, Brian, who's going to be redesigning what's behind me right there. You're going to see that taking place in the next uh, few weeks. So looking forward to that. And uh, as always, uh, folks, uh, I appreciate everybody sort of jumping in here on this third day, third day of uh, low speaker. I told you that the way that's the way it was likely going to go. Uh, they were going to be able to broker a deal. All the concessions have been made. We've got all the drill down so they have a complete understanding of the disarray of what's happening in Washington, D.C. And, folks, this is exactly what it sounded like uh, earlier today on the 11th failed vote for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, this, is, this is the jeering and the cheering uh, that was going on uh, after the 11th loss, and the Democrats wanted to keep going. They are having themselves a time. Take a listen to the atmosphere if you haven't heard it some raw audio footage there from Washington, D.C. in the House Chambers. The state of New York has received 212. They're cheering there for Hakeem Jeffries. Oh, yeah, they're getting excited. They're way excited. They're like cheering together. Not one split vote the entire time. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received 200. The Republicans trying hard to fake their enthusiasm for Kevin McCarthy right there. The Honorable Byron Donalds of the state of Florida has received 12. <laughs> A very the tepid, Honorable Kevin Hearn of the state uh, of Oklahoma uh, has received seven. <laughs> the Honorable Donald J. Trump 
of the state of Florida has received one. <laughs> with one recorded as present. That's the laughter that's going in the back. That's Matt Gates's vote. No nominee having received the majority of the votes cast, a speaker has not been elected. What for what purpose does the gentleman from Louisiana seek recognition? Madam Clerk, I move that the House stands adjourned until noon tomorrow. That so is the question Steve's is the on the motion that Steve's the House Steve's. stands adjourned until noon tomorrow. Those in favor say aye. Those opposed, aye. Those opposed no. Five votes today. Five votes is what they had. And they wanted to the keep going because it's so requested. embarrassing for the Republicans. Those favoring a vote by the yeas and nays will rise. <laughs> a sufficient number having risen, the yeas and nays are ordered. Members will record their votes by electronic device. This will be a 15-minute vote. Well, we're not a route to uh, stick around for all of that, but uh, there you have it, folks. There you have all the breakdown, everything that's happening. Uh, five votes today, three yesterday, three the day before. The Democrats wanted to keep it going because they wanted to party all night and uh, have a great time in, in doing so. Pretty disgusting uh, overall what's happening that so many people are sticking with Kevin McCarthy. Uh, you had uh, Real America's Voice, Steve Bannon, uh, jumping on board. Uh, with Matt Gates saying that Donald Trump needs to be uh, put to the forefront. Maybe maybe that's going to come. I'm not sure if it's going to be somebody who's outside the chamber. It likely is going to be. Uh, some people have suggested Newt Gingrich, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, we'll get into the Newt Gingrich part uh, as well. I don't know that this helps Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form uh, if he's going to continue to be suggested, especially what's going on uh, between the tax returns. He now got sued again today. We'll talk about that. Uh, making him responsible tomorrow being January 6th. I can only imagine if more and more Republicans they are not about. Remember, those 200 that are there are mostly people who are anti-Trumpers. Most of those people who are Republican voting for Kevin McCarthy uh, are anti-Trumpers. So that's the way that it looks uh, for them. So, you know, really the disarray, I don't know, is that embarrassing because uh, it looks like all the concessions uh, have ultimately been made uh, thus far. And they haven't uh, come off their line, meaning the uh, t now 21. And it looks like it's going to dip below 200 uh, if they have another uh, vote tomorrow. I think they should stop the voting at this point. Uh, they should go back to their foxholes and uh, their meeting rooms and decide to go ahead and hash it out before they get out and uh, vote again and see if they can have this so that they go don't go through this so charade for a fourth consecutive day. Uh, it makes it seem as if there's no communication that's going on uh, between all these people. These are all people that could be having this rather than having the votes that have been replicated 11 times, literally 11 times with with almost no difference from the first through the 11th vote. If you look at a graph, Hakeem Jeffries has gotten the same amount of votes every single time, 100% of the Democrats, 100% behind him. And then there's just been, I don't know, three or four different people that the Republicans have voted for in addition to Kevin McCarthy. So 
you know, if that's the case, they don't need to waste the public's time. I don't know that we need to waste any more of our time. Uh, all the concessions that have been made uh, by uh, Kevin McCarthy to accommodate uh, the 20, now 21. Uh, and then there's other people that need to be thrown into it. I think you're going to see a lot of that coming from a lot of the pundits out there. But then you're going to have the uh, the rhinos. Uh, Jean Piero, we'll talk with about uh, her, how she is going after the Republicans uh, who don't want to jump on board uh, with the uh, – <laughs> with the 200. Uh, I don't think that that's necessary. So I think this battle needs to be happening behind closed doors and the votes need to stop happening uh, out in public because the Democrats are just absolutely pummeling. And this is sort of like losing the election over and over and over again. Um, and I think you're seeing a lot of splintering amongst uh, some of the conservative talkers as well. Sean Hannity just getting uh, absolutely his uh, ass handed to him today. Uh, unfortunately, because, you know, he's a, a been on our radio station for such a long time and doing such a good job. But, you know, he got behind McCarthy and is trying to get the other 20. And that's not working very well. So we're going to get into all the sound and some of the views. Please download the app, rockoftalk.tv, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, all of that. Make sure that you guys tune in. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. More coverage here of the last three days when we return here in the Kiva. All along the watchtower, Princess kept the view. minutes after the hour well if we get to 13 tomorrow and then we end it boy we'll see what happens uh feeling a little superstitious about uh, all this uh getting close to a full moon as well all the things aligning and then we have uh january 6 1623 tomorrow and uh you're gonna have uh, joe biden uh, usher out and you know kindly and gently remind you about uh, what donald trump did you know a couple of years back and make him responsible. And, you know, we'll get into the fact that Donald Trump is getting sued. Yes, Donald Trump is getting sued uh, for that. He is now going to be responsible for a Capitol Police officer's family, um, unbelievably. So uh, we'll talk about uh, that as well. It's kind of crazy. Uh, by the way, uh, today an agent shot near the border days ahead of uh, Biden's visit. He's headed down to the border. We'll talk about that. But we should uh, very quickly probably remark about who are the 21 uh, people who are now uh, uh, voting against McCarthy. Uh, and, and really, you can say they're voting against McCarthy because they're not voting for one person in particular. All right, so we have 222 people. We have 21, so that brings us down 201 to 220, uh, 201 to 21, which gives us a 222. And once you fall behind, behind that 200-person uh, threshold, I don't think it's going to be looking very good. So let's look for our neighboring states. There's actually three from Arizona. Andy Biggs isn't doing it. Uh, rep uh, rep Representative-elect Eli Crane isn't voting for him. And then Representative Paul Gosar. Uh, also here in the Southwest, uh, if you will, uh, Lauren Boebert. She's leading the charge. Uh, she's not one of them. Uh, also Representative-elect Joss Breachin from Oklahoma. 
neighboring state. Michael Cloud out of Texas, uh, not voting. And then uh, any more here, Chip Roy, of course, from Texas. And finally, Representative-elect uh, Keith Self. Now, when it says elect, it means, A, they're not getting paid, and B, they have yet to be sworn in. So that's where that leads. And then you've got a lot of them back east. And, and I was looking at um, Larry uh, Sabato's crystal ball. And it's um, looking at uh, what Sabato had put out, the political profile, and then looking uh, overall at the, you know, list of, of those and what type of districts uh, that they were in, um, meaning um, whether or not the people who are voting against McCarthy are truly from really strong, re <clears throat> excuse me, really strong um, Trump districts. And that, that was the uh, sort of thing that, you know, he was keying in on. And here you are, here's the numbers. So these are the, these are the 21. Why can they take this risk? Uh, how about stop pummeling them and seeing what they stand for? Uh, each one of these people, obviously, who won, uh, had a pretty strong Trump district. Just listen to these. In Andy Biggs' district, Trump won that district in 2020 by 16.4 points, all right? Uh, let's see, Lauren, Lauren Boebert in Colorado. Trump won her Congress congressional district by 8.3 points, okay? Listen to this. Josh Breachin in Oklahoma might be a, a place you might want to look. Uh, he, Trump won the district by 53.4%. That is uh, Oklahoma district number two, folks. Wow. Talk about the pro-Trump district. The most pro-Trump district in the entire uh, country. Let's see some other ones who are, are stepping out uh, a little bit. You've got Byron Donalds, the other person out of Florida who is, um, he has now voted for himself, by the way, which is very interesting. He's 44 years young, um, a young black leader. There's, uh, by the way, four uh, congressional uh, elected representatives who are black uh, that have gone in. His district is 21% uh, margin of victory for Trump back in 2020. Matt Gates comes from a very pro-Trump district, 32% lead for uh, Trump in that district. So uh, Paul Gosar, 25.8%. So uh, you have to ask yourself, are any of these people risking anything? Chip Roy, 19.7%. Victoria Sparks, 15.9%. And then you look at what their margin of victory is when they won in 2022. Now, going back to that Josh Breachin, he won his district by 40, and he's a freshman, never even been sworn in, by 49.1 points. That was his margin of victory. Other margins of victories include Andrew Clyde out of Georgia, 44.7. 36% uh, victory there for Byron Donalds. Uh, by the way, he initially went back in, in or went into Congress in 2020. And uh, also others in the double digits. Montana District 2, 34.4. 7%, his margin of victory. Chip Roy, 25.7%, even higher than Donald Trump, and then 15.9%. So um, to think that any of these guys are feeling any political risk whatsoever, and that's really what you have to start looking at. We're probably going to have to start cutting through, I don't know, the next 50, next 100 um, representatives out there to make the determination as to whether or not they're going to be backing into McCarthy's corner. And it doesn't look like, if corner, if you want to even call it that, none of them are going to be because they are not having to sort of bear any of the risks. They are in strong Trump districts, okay? Meaning red, red, red. 
and they have won all of them by double digits. So that's the profile for, you know, who they are and um, what, what it looks like. So McCarthy failing for the third day in the GOP House speaker fight. Not looking uh, good for him. Let's get to some more sounds of the day and some more views of the day. And it, and be, it became increasingly uh, against the media uh, and just about everybody else to this point is pushing back is pushing back against uh, McCarthy, including, I think, the very milk-toasty, middle-of-the-road Neil Cavuto. And uh, he even asked the questions. Uh, take a listen to Cavuto a little bit earlier uh, today, actually uh, earlier this afternoon when this uh, came out. Take a listen. That, that is one way to look <laughs> at it. But uh, yeah, it is what it is, right? We're going to go to a 10th vote right now. And, yeah. and if, it, if it plays out like the other nine congresswomen-elect, he's going to lose yet again. And he's going to get the same numbers again. At which point do you, as a backer of his and wanting to move on, just say, I love yeah. you, Kevin, but this ain't happening? That is a very good question. And that is also part of democracy. So I'm sure that within the next 24 hours, something is going to happen. I've been, as a good journalist, you know, I did this for 35 years. I miss it. I have been talking to everyone, including the 20 holdouts. And I'm saying, hey, what is it that you know that I don't? And I hear that within the next 24 hours, something is going to happen. And then what do you the mean something's going to happen? Or that, 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 that Kevin happen. McCarthy will step down? Because uh, that would be the only it. thing to change. Well, that's correct. No, I think that according to what I hear, and I repeat, everyone could be wrong. Right. Because democracy is unpredictable. It's just like the economy. It's not a science. But it's happening. And for what I hear is that within the next 24 hours, he will make it. And those 20 will be reduced either to 18 or 16 or 17. And he will make it to the 218 that he needs. That, that is, is what. Does anybody actually believe her? Nobody believes her. She doesn't believe what she's saying. She even had a little bit of a slip there. If you listen, she had a, a lot of a slip, to be quite honest, because you said she agreed with Neil Cavuto about McCarthy backing out. And she said, no, 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 that's not it. And then she couldn't come up with any sort of numbers. And she states emphatically that she's, you know, talking to the other side. So, you know, why embarrass yourself and continue to have this argument in these votes out in public? It just, uh, you know, makes no sense. What everyone is saying wait, wait, right wait, now. Wait, 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 I'm sorry if you can explain that again. A producer was talking to me, and I'm not blaming the producer, but the the, the, the you were saying you that, that, that you were saying what then that that what you're hearing is that Kevin McCarthy is going to bow out, but there'll be a, a way for him to get to this 218, right? What would Correct. that be? That there will be within the next 24 hours, for what I hear, and I repeat, everything could change. That he will have an agreement with the 16, 17, or 18 of the holdouts, and they will vote for him. That is what I. But have he's given them everything that they've already wanted, right? So what would be the new? Does he start giving them stuff now that they didn't even ask for? Uh, I think that some uh, in the budgetary meetings, for what I hear, is that not spending more money, not spending more American taxpayers' money is on the table, and that's being negotiated. No one really knows anything. But, but that's the enough. There you go, right there. Nobody really knows anything. She doesn't know anything. Uh, everything's speculative. So, again, my point is very, 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 very simple. Okay, at this point, you no longer have to have this argument out in front. And if Boebert and Gates and Chip Roy uh, are leading the charge and uh, will aren't about to let up and there's no negotiations and 
they've already got their concessions and now they just don't like McCarthy and don't want McCarthy uh, because of his history and they don't trust him. Now you're going to see other people nominated and it's going to be coming from outside the House of Representatives. And you've already seen, you know, Donald Trump uh, uh, being nominated uh, earlier today by Matt Gates, which, okay, I guess if you wanted to go ahead and, uh, and, and wanted to jump out there with that, you could do that. Or you could just, you know, go with, uh, with, with Bobert, who is just absolutely uh, doesn't want uh, Kevin McCarthy in any way, shape, or form. In my opinion, uh, she probably has the most to risk given the slight margin uh, that she uh, barely won by. Take a listen to her. For what what purpose purpose does the gentlewoman from from Colorado Colorado rise? Madam Clerk, I rise to nominate Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma for Speaker of the House. The gentlewoman is recognized. It's as simple as that, folks. Let's start getting somewhere with this. Realize the facts. Kevin McCarthy does not have the votes. Let's elect a Republican who can unify our conference, who is a true leader. I'm casting my vote for Kevin Hearn, and I hope you will as well. I yield. Who? Kevin, what? I never even heard of these people. Well, this is all you're going to get in the next coming days. Just uh, more people, you know, submitting more and more names. Back after a quick break here in the queue. Nothing more to say. the damage control that you can just get people thinking about what's really happening across the country and up in Washington, D.C. Um, there are going to be more names that are going to be coming forth. There'll be more disarray and uh, there's just going to be no rhyme or reason to any of this stuff. So as it continues to sort of break down, um, you know, you're probably going to come up with your own solutions and ideas about who might be the next person. And, uh, it's just going to create more of a mess. So uh, we're supposed to be getting started on 23. The economy's a mess. Uh, another down day on Wall Street today. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then Donald Trump, uh, of course, uh, as I indicated before, uh, getting sued. Uh, that's right, folks. Uh, he was sued by the estate of the Capitol Police officer who died after the January 6th attack. It was a wrongful death suit naming... Trump and two rioters in connection with Brian Sicknick's death. That's right. A 47-page lawsuit. Lawyers for Sicknick's estate and Mr. Trump intentionally riled up the crowd, directed and encouraged a mob to attack U.S. Capitol and attack those who opposed him. See, just dropped exactly on this day when it's supposed to. Uh, Mr. Trump's speech uh, led people at the ellipse uh, towards the Capitol, which he urged a crowd of supporters as they, quote-unquote, fight like hell and march to the Capitol. Uh, here it is as a direct foreseeable consequence of defendant Trump's false and incendiary allegations of fraud and theft. It goes on and in direct response to defendant Trump's express calls for violence at the rally, a violent mob attacked the U.S. Capitol, resulting in the death of officer, officer Sicknick. Uh, now, 
Lawyers for Mr. Sicknick are seeking damages. Uh, here you are. Here's the number. $10 million for the alleged wrongful death and conspiracy to violate civil rights from all defendants, as well as claims for aiding and abetting an assault from Mr. Trump. So there it is. The lawsuit also comes uh, as, uh, as we have the second anniversary of the attack, as they're calling it, uh, on the Capitol, which one protester was shot and killed by police and three others died due to medical emergencies. Now, I think we should probably go back to that January 6th Epic Times video. If you haven't watched it, I feel like I should play it tomorrow. I'm not about to uh, play it because I've played it enough. But uh, I would urge you to go watch the Josh Phillips, The Truth About uh, January 6th and what happened uh, on that day. So, Matt Gates, as I uh, indicated before, uh, he uh, voted for Trump as Speaker of the House. You heard the laughter going on, his vote for Speaker of the House today, Donald John Trump. And he actually put it uh, directly uh, on his uh, Facebook feed. No, I'm not going to play it, or his Twitter feed, excuse me. It's all the same to me. So he was uh, one of several Republican holdouts refusing to unite behind Kevin McCarthy, and uh, he put out a special write-up. It says the Speaker of the House in the Capitol is currently being occupied by Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy is not the Speaker of the House. He lost three consecutive votes today. I'm demanding answers from the architect of the Capitol. And there it goes. The uh, Brett Blanton, uh, it writes, it says, what is the basis in law, House rule, and precedent to allow someone who has placed second and three successive speaker elections to occupy the Speaker of the House office? He should be out of there. How long will he remain there before he is considered a quote-unquote squatter? That's right, some uh, fighting, uh, uh, <laughs> fighting words there. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you thought that she would be with those 21. She is not. I think a lot of people are mistaking that. And uh, that's why we have a little bit of the clarification uh, on who exactly they are and what they're risking. You would have thought she would have been the first person who would go against uh, McCarthy. Um, but she's among those criticizing her colleagues, <clears throat> excuse me, who are refusing to unite behind McCarthy, throwing her quote unquote Matt Gates friend under the bus, stating, let me remind everyone that this Matt Gates who compared Kevin McCarthy to Paul Ryan, my friend Matt Gates, he supported Paul Ryan almost more than anyone. It's still on his social media. So you know, this isn't a good time for the Republican Party to be dividing itself more and more because ideologically, everyone is pretty much aligned and they all want the same thing. So, you know, why the big push to get McCarthy in? Is it for payment? Everyone needs to get paid. Is it because we need it sworn in or is people really trying to get the business of the country, you know, in order? So uh, anyway, after the third day, 11 losses, uh, at least two votes tomorrow is what I think is what we're hearing that we're going to get. That's where I think they're going to try and stop it. They're, you know, the, the number 13 on Friday, the 13th with the January 6th, you know, all the spooky, dark stuff that comes from the Democrats. Um, the GOP overall is in a huge leadership vacuum, okay? There is no real leadership. And you can't say McCarthy is the leader given what he has failed to put down. He's failed to put down the mutiny uh, on the ship. So um, Biden as I told you yesterday, was alongside Mitch McConnell. And you would think that, you know, the strongest GOP leader would be the Senate minority leader in Mitch McConnell. Well, not if he's standing next to Joe Biden talking about the omnibus uh, uh, bill and passing that and Biden basically co-opting McConnell and uh, saying, hey, we couldn't have done it without you. So that, I think, also puts things in a very sort of contentious uh, uh, situation. Now, you heard, uh, what, what was it, Hearn was the other person who was nominated. He had Byron Donalds, who had 12-13. Uh, he, he was emerging as the GOP alternative 
uh, for House Speaker. What, because he's black? or yeah? I'm not really sure, uh, to be uh, quite honest. He hasn't only been there for one term uh, thus far. Does he want it? Not really. It's not something he wanted. He actually nominated uh, Kevin McCarthy early on in all this. And then I've already told you on the breakdown of any of these guys facing any sort of blowback whatsoever. And then you just heard about uh, Gates calling out uh, McCarthy as a quote-unquote squatter. Okay. So <clears throat> he occupies the office of the speaker. He decided to go ahead and move into Pelosi's office. So we need to go back with this vacuum and look at what Newt Gingrich might think about all this. He weighed in on this finally. And during a phone interview uh, about three hours ago, he made predictions about how the battle between GOP members will finally end. He says, I think they will eventually come together and get a deal done. Now, I don't believe Newt Gingrich. He was wrong on the election. I think that he's wrong on this. And I think the uh, fortitude and the strength of Boebert and Gates is not going to go away anytime soon. And they're going to take as much power in this vacuum as possible. He stated to Just the News it had less to do with budgetary concerns and more to do with the fact that there is a part of this group that simply doesn't want McCarthy and a portion of them who want strong guarantees that he will be conservative if he is a leader. He also highlighted the dynamic allowing 20 members to steer the ship of the entire Republican Party, describing as politically untenable for the Republican Party. He says you can't deal with the 20 members voting against him and alienate the other 200 members. They have been outvoted 220 each time, so they have to find a way to form a committee to come together and work this out. Now, remember, he was famously in charge of the contract with America. So if anybody knows anything about leverage and getting people to do certain things, it certainly would be Newt Gingrich. But I think he is probably overdone at this point, given what we saw in the 2022 election. So let's get some more feeds, some more information uh, as to what else is uh, <laughs> was put out uh, earlier today. And I, I told you, uh, there's a lot of people who don't want McCarthy. Well, people are even saying that the Fox viewers themselves don't want McCarthy to be speaker. Uh, take a listen. This from uh, earlier today. Congress is like we had Dan Crenshaw here just right before you. And he says everything you and your colleagues wanted, those opposed to Kevin McCarthy and had demanded a Kevin McCarthy, he delivered. In fact, in some cases, he did a 180 and, and changed his mind. He's open to, a, you know, an area where you can oust a speaker with just a single congressman when it was prior to that five. And even that was deemed excessive to him in the past. He's open to getting the Freedom Caucus more cloud, especially on the Rules Committee that sets legislation. He's open to allowing votes to institute limits on members and terms and even uh, more sway on border and related issues. So on almost everything you guys have demanded, he has acquiesced. And yet you're still all opposed to him. Well, when I first ran for Congress two years ago, hundreds and hundreds of voters across my district begged me not to support Kevin McCarthy for leadership post. Why? I said I would assess him based on my first why? two what years. What were they saying then that, that you delivered Republican, on now? There's a reason why all of your viewers or the vast majority of your viewers in the Fox audience doesn't want us to vote for Kevin McCarthy. He doesn't represent the conservative center of the Republicans across the country. They know that he doesn't stand and fight. They know that he helped pass massive spending bills during his time in leadership with the majority of Democrat voters when we had control of Congress last time when he was the majority leader. They know that he isn't a true conservative. They didn't see the demonstration of him fighting the Biden-Pelosi agenda with the very narrow majority we had in the House. We were promised as freshmen when we came in two years ago, hey, we're going to run the floor. We're going to use every tool at our disposal to stop the Pelosi agenda. And we didn't do any Does of that. Does this go back, so Congressman-elect, though, to more his behavior and his reaction and his 
concern about then President Trump, Trump and that insurrection. So I think we can just sort of leave it there. I think uh, he laid out the uh, litany of things that he just got voted in. And uh, I think that all of those things uh, certainly hold water and held up. So I think if you're taking on the 200, I don't think you can, you know, can't yourself as a real conservative. Uh, we'll just say that these are 20 people who are doing the right thing. Back after a quick break uh, here on a Thursday evening, AM 1600 KIV, and rockoftop.com, All right, 47 after the hour here on a Thursday evening. Rockoftalk.com, rockoftalk.tv. And uh, getting you caught up on the events of the day. Looking forward to tomorrow, Friday, first Friday of the year. And it's uh, my my home state, New Mexico. It's uh, our birthday. That would be our 111th birthday uh, tomorrow. That's right. Uh, uh, we are older as the 47th state than the fastest growing state in the entire country, which is Arizona, the 48th state. And all you have to do is... Uh, which way do you want the country to go? Look at uh, Arizona versus uh, New Mexico. Um, incidentally, in my home state, I said yesterday, what, 37% roughly of uh, our state is uh, employed by the city, the county, you know, federal employment. Uh, I mean, a lot of people guaranteed we have these huge layoffs that are taking place you know, across the country. Not here. Not here in New Mexico. We don't have that. The largest employers, the government, I think uh, nine of the top ten are all affiliated with the government besides Walmart. I think Walmart is the largest private employer. It used to be Intel for a time. We had, I don't know, 7,200 employees for uh, Intel Corporation. Now, Intel is building billion-dollar fab facilities in Chandler and Ahwatukee, and there it is. That's all you need to know about the difference between uh, Arizona and New Mexico is uh, look where private investment and population is going. Uh, the Rio Grande Foundation, uh, which is a local think tank, that's here uh, showed that uh, New Mexico had another population loss in one year of nearly 3,400 people. I'm surprised we could lose even that many, to be quite honest. But, you know, people are voting with their feet. They're picking up, they're going other places. And it's by and large led by policy and who you elect. Uh, we are Democrats across the board in my home state of New Mexico. Every single congressional uh, delegation uh, election. Um, every single uh, statewide office uh, is all held by a Democrat. And then you almost have a supermajority in the Senate. So, you know, that's the, the state that I hail from. So if anybody can tell you about how things don't work and why they don't work, uh, certainly a guy like me. 550, 500 in the 505. If you want to go ahead and uh, text uh, or call. So I was just talking, I interviewed uh, Newt New Gingrich um, for the election. He said it was going to be somewhere between 40 and 60 and uh well let's not forget something here's i'm i'm here to remind you about something that happened with newt gingrich uh, he actually didn't run for speaker again because like mccarthy he did not have the votes uh here's proof positive from the architect of the victory for donald trump in 2016 kellyanne conway 
When Newt Gingrich was the speaker, I had been involved as a you know bit player in the mezzanine in the contract with America. He was speaker. That first election after he became speaker, they lost five or six seats. He still had control. He still had plus 19, more than McCarthy has. And yet, he didn't run for speaker again. He resigned. And Ken Duberstein, God rest his soul, was one of his confidants. And he had said at the time, I know Newt has the votes to become speaker. I don't know if he has the votes to govern. I think both those questions are on the table right now for McCarthy and others. And so, uh, all right. So there's the, the, there's the, the, the bright thoughts right there by Kellyanne Conway. And uh, there to remind you. So at this point... I would also urge uh, McCarthy to go ahead and uh, resign running for speaker going forward. I think uh, once he dips below that 200, uh, he will not have the votes uh, to govern. You're going to have to find somebody brand new from outside. Is that a Lee Zeldin? Is that, uh, you know, and then you have the RNC suffering from some leadership uh, position uh, issues as well. And um, Ronna McDaniel, do you keep her or do you go with somebody brand new? Well, in my opinion, you've got to go with somebody completely and totally brand new. Um, David Axelrod is looking at this from the outside, and I think you're seeing a new soul uh, of the Republican Party being held up by these 21 people. And Axelrod is pointing this out. Now, remember, the concessions have all been given. There's nothing more to give uh, at this point. Uh, here's Axelrod uh, on this, uh, pointing out uh, that uh, McCarthy has already shown himself to be a pretty weak leader. Take a listen. 20 is a big number this isn't like a marginal thing he's got to turn three quarters of these people uh around but let me tell you something I, i'm you know uh, jake said that he's made a cornucopia of concessions he's surrendered i mean the the truth of the matter is whether the 21 who accepted or not they've won they've won either either mccarthy becomes a neutered powerless speaker who has a sword of damocles uh, over his head uh, that could Donald. fall at any time because anybody in that body could call to vacate the chair or, or someone else Donald. becomes speaker. But he he they have the won party. this. I mean, the only thing that's left is for, you know, one of them McCarthy. to drive out with McCarthy's Donald. car and another one to wear his coat. And I mean, he's given <laughs> everything but, but, away. But, but, but Axe, if you, if you, do you think if if you give in to these if, if McCarthy gives in here, right, to these folks? Whoever's next McCarthy. is going to experience the exact same well, listen, scenario. Listen, I, my concern is not for the Republican McCarthy. Party. My Shocker. concern is for the country. Right. Well, yeah, this is where be. I think they're they're wrong here. Uh, if you give up McCarthy, I don't think you give up anything because I believe that uh, what, what is her name, uh, the Romney, right? <laughs> the the head of the Republican Party. She's looking for her fourth uh, two year term uh, in in all of this, and I think you're just going to see her replaced as well. And I think it's pretty evident uh, at this point that the new soul is being reflected by getting and toppling and getting rid of all of the people who didn't stand up for border security, which is what, you know, Biden's going to go steal the victory uh, without this in the next three, four days. He's now allowing 30,000, I believe, uh, to be passing through a month and giving them a pathway to citizenship immediately. I mean, these are things that we just don't want, but because we have failed to come together and stand up against it, might as well. And uh, they hold the gavel of the executive, they have the legislature because they have the Senate and because we have no House Speaker right now who is actually conservative and we've seen the $1.7 trillion uh, omnibus or $1.3 trillion omnibus uh, bill passed. And then uh, here, who I believe is going to be your next chairwoman. And I think there's a good reason why these 21 people are also standing up because they're also standing up for her. I think they're all going to be behind, I think her name is Harmeet Dillon, if I've got her name 
uh, correctly. Uh, here she is outlining uh, just such a path. Uh, take a person, look. But over, over the last, last six, six years, years, we've lost the House, the Senate, and the White House. And worse than that, we have a sclerotic system at the RNC where members have almost no say. We don't even get to take a look at a line item budget if you're on the budget committee. And we seem to be sinking into this morass of failure and simply explaining it away as, well, we made more voter contacts or we should get an A for effort in this election cycle. When, in fact, anybody who's paying attention can see, you know, the emperor has no clothes. Uh, you look around. And in fact, we had no plan for harnessing the new laws for getting people's ballots into the ballot boxes early. We blame candidate selection when you look at the candidates that the Democrats got elected. Joe Biden, the biggest liar in Washington. John Fetterman, who has, uh, you know, had some serious challenges even in articulating words. Katie Hobbs, who wouldn't debate. And so the excuses that are trotted out are frankly what's embarrassing. It's not embarrassing to have a leadership debate. It's not embarrassing to bring up some of the failures. I think that's actually good fiduciary policy at an organization, a healthy organization. But instead, you know, I'm getting criticized for running against the chair because, you know, it's unseemly. But I think it's actually exactly how democracy should work and how our constitutional republic should work. So the same things that you're seeing in D.C. on the McCarthy race, there's some of the very same issues we have in the Republican National Committee. And it's bubbling up because there's been no debate for so many years. And so, you, look, I think we can only go up from here. We haven't won the last several election cycles. I think if we sort of acknowledge our failures tighten our belts, stop wasting donor money, focus like a laser on election integrity and making sure that we actually get people's ballots into the ballot box is pretty basic. And then have be more forward looking on technology, involving younger voters, don't patronize them. And finally, cut out the middlemen of consultants who are running Congress and running the Republican National Committee. Yeah. We will be so far ahead. Our ideas are superior. Our candidates are better. There's no reason why we can't win if we, we make, make the necessary, necessary changes, changes and face, face the reality. There it is. Uh, Harmie Dillon, uh, soon to be uh, replacing Ronna McDaniel and taking the Republican National Committee into a different direction. Now, she's not a household name. You're not going to know her. Um, but she set the menu for what things are going to work going forward. Now, in my home state, New Mexico, I recently ran for Republican Party chair. Um, the same issues that you see in the New Mexico Republican Party uh, or the Republican Party of New Mexico, the same issues that you see in Congress, same issues that you see in the RNC. We've lost 22. We lost 20. We lost 18. And uh, well, we won a little something in 16. We haven't really won anything. And just these people are trying to hold on to what little bit of power that they can. And what are they using? What are they finding? They're saying, oh, you know what? You've got to stand together. And they they get people locked into these ridiculous conversations about, well, you need to be more supportive in order for you to be a Republican. You got to be supportive of the existing failed power structure that's there. The people who've been there for three years or three decades, you must support them because they are the ones in power and they accuse you of being a traitor. They accuse you of being a terrorist. They accuse you of being all these things and that just isn't going to go. And then they want you to go ahead and get with the mealy mouth, a sort of quasi pseudo strong Republicans, right? Like uh, Janine Piero, uh, who is anything but. She's just looking for a little bit more attention. The woman's got to be pretty close to 70. She looks terrible. And uh, this is the type of, they, they get these people, they must pay them because she wants McCarthy and she's going to come out just like the uh, uh, senator from South Carolina did the other day and came out against uh, anybody who was uh, voting against Judge Janine. We are uh, in, what was this, day three? 
Yeah, 10. How does it feel? How how are you feeling about all this? I'm angry about it. You know why? They're making the Republicans look ridiculous. First of all, I like Kevin McCarthy. Okay, why wasn't this done ahead of time? Why are we doing this in front of the public? We look like a bunch of fools. Okay, and Lauren Boebert, you know, with all due respect, I mean, the woman barely won her race. You're holding out until Kevin falls. What is the alternative? What What do you want? And there go all the insult. Lauren Boebert, who has held her ground and did her campaign and didn't have a big consultant or anything. And in my opinion, is the the epitome of, of really a grassroots Republican. And she won by 0.2 points. That's what she won by. And then you take the likes of Jean Piero to go ahead and attack her. What is the option? What can people agree on? You want the Republicans to vote with, to get the Democrats to get a Speaker of the House? Can you imagine Nancy Pelosi saying, let me get some Republicans so that I can be the Speaker? I can- and then you make some ridiculous arguments like that, that we must be on the Democrat side. Same thing that went on in New Mexico, the same thing that's going on nationally. Hour two, up next, here in the Kiva. Stay tuned. Here on a Thursday night, I'm Eddie Uragon, the Rock of Talk here on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. Don't forget, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Getting you caught up on everything for the day so you're prepared for tomorrow. So many people texting. It's like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, we're here to tell you. I'm here to tell you things that uh, people are going to be talking about tomorrow. And you're going get, to be getting sound from today that a lot of people are going to be talking about tomorrow. So we can get it out, get you ahead up on your way and uh, ready to uh, sort of face the day uh, as it were. Also, uh, download my app, 65 Great Radio Station. You can listen to all sorts of stuff. Uh, little Gimme Shelter there with uh, the Rolling Stones. I've got all of those uh, great, great radio stations I've uh, put together. I'll be uh, putting together even more, uh, not to mention, you know, the, the great voice of the station. Uh, he's been helping me out. Uh, got the station back up running without all the ping pong blips that were going on uh, here. So, no, uh, tomorrow's a, a happy birthday for my home state. 111th, uh, happy 111th to New Mexico. You're getting worse all the time. Looking better, uh, you know, 115 years celebrating a birthday. Uh, maybe New Mexico croaks after 115 years, uh, gets absorbed by Texas because it can't pay its own bills and the federal government is bankrupt. Hey, could be a possibility. Could be a possibility. Stranger things uh, have uh, happened. Like, well, this uh, once-in-a-hundred-year vote, and uh, we've covered everything. I couldn't cover this, I don't think, for a fourth day in a row, right? So Republicans, take it into the uh, back rooms, the cigars, uh, having your smoke, do your backroom deals, whatever you need to do. Uh, Stop having this uh, embarrassing, you know, whiny tantrums. That's not fair. They're not Republican. They're terrorists. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, folks. Just tell them that you're not going to be able to go ahead and get your crap together here in, uh, uh, to kick off the year. And we'll come back to you next week with uh, 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 ready to play and ready to go. I think uh, there's enough egg on the face of the Republicans to kick off the year that they need to just go back into hiding for another week and then come back and then decide to go ahead and vote. I wouldn't let uh, very many more votes uh, come. I would uh, motion to adjourn first thing in the morning and say we're going to come back first thing on Monday. You're not getting paid anyway, so uh, there it is. And the New York Times actually writes that this is uh, 
very familiar territory. Um, going back to 1923, the last time the House required multiple days and repeated votes to settle on a new speaker before the continuing stalemate over the candidacy of Kevin McCarthy. It's been 100 years ago. So it was long before the dawn of Twitter, they write, things haven't changed all that much. In fact, the parallels between then and now are striking, according to the uh, write-up, down to the opponents of the 23's eventual winner, Frederick H. Gillette, Republican of Massachusetts, angling for basic changes in the rules of the House to give them more influence and more top committee slots, just as hard-right adversaries of Mr. McCarthy are doing today. Well, I don't think that that is correct. I think that's a mischaracterization. We want a secure border. We want to be able to go ahead and hold the uh, feet to the fire of uh, Kevin McCarthy. We want to make sure that we uh, pass a balanced budget, a federal budget, meaning we don't further go into debt, right, so that we can do the people's work. I think those sub- and, and not challenge Republicans in primary. Those are the four things that they're basically uh, uh, they're, they're asking for at this point. I don't think that any of those are unreasonable. These are things that we expect, but no one's talking about the details. Well, Gallette, unable to overcome the opposition from a band of progressive Republicans, Mr. Gallette kept pushing the House into adjournment to allow backroom talks about how to resolve the stalemate. Another tactic being employed this time as the vote tallies remain inconclusive. Not only inconclusive, they've been exactly the same. So the Senate, traditionally viewing itself as a more refined chamber, chose not to hang around for the slugfest in the House. The senators organized without incident and expeditiously vacated the Capitol, let their counterparts across the rotunda sully themselves by themselves. What the Senate really did, the New York Times of December 4th, 23 wrote, uh, by the way, 100 years ago today, uh, reportedly knowingly was to show the respect for the public opinion and its own dignity by not resorting to wrangling about the election of the president of the Senate. But in the House of Representatives, the progressive bloc preferred to advertise itself and the insatiable passion for more places on the committees. So the 118th version of the Senate did the same this week, convening for a celebratory induction of new members and the swearing in of reelected senators on Tuesday and then fleeing the Capitol for three weeks to allow the House to occupy the political stage by themselves. And you got the, what we got, McConnell, McConnell, McDaniel, and McCarthy. I think we get rid of, and this isn't a, any sort of racial slur, get rid of all the mix uh, altogether. You got to get rid of uh, Ronna McDaniel. You got to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. And uh, folks, I think anybody who's, uh, um, <laughs> anybody's Republican agrees that we need to get rid of the turtle, uh, Mitch McConnell. So uh, there it goes. So we can actually focus on the pe- people's work. So I'll continue to follow this. I don't know that I'm going to be covering this for a fourth day. Uh, it's not going to go in any positive direction, in my opinion, for McCarthy at this point. I think there'll be more disarray if they continue to do it more publicly. And, uh, you know, I think any dignity uh, at this point uh, has been lost. So we're going to couch it there, hopefully for the week, unless some late deal is going to be done. But it doesn't look like Bobert and Chip Roy or Wah or uh, Matt Gates or anybody else is going to be doing uh, any sort of deals. They are holding to the principles. They want to kick McCarthy out of his current office and get him out of the speaker's uh, chair, uh, ASAP. So Biden taking uh, center stage and uh, announcing a number of new initiatives at the border. Suddenly, suddenly, uh, <laughs> Joe Biden has decided to go ahead and jump into places where the Republicans used to thrive, where Donald Trump uh, sort of uh, made his bank, made, a, made his money, uh, if you will, uh, politically. So uh, Biden kicking things off. 
getting things started today for his trip, uh, but uh, not to be uh, sully too badly. Uh, the Republicans uh, actually, well, uh, something happened at the border. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of suicides at the border. Our Border Patrol agents are having to deal with uh, this unbelievable situation where they're allowing people to just sort of pass through. Fentanyl is at an all-time high. But remember, only about 14% of those are being uh, are coming through illegal immigration. Most of the people who are actually passing fentanyl through are American citizens. And, uh, you know, you've got uh, Biden sort of tripping all over himself to make the very best of uh, what he can in this vacuum and a vacuum of power to look good. And this is how 24 is going to get impacted. Whether or not Biden runs is now sort of inconsequential. Uh, there are the Democrats and they stick together and uh, they are going to go ahead and go after the presidency for reelection in 24, whether it's with or without Biden. Well, Biden's already calling Kamala Harris president of the United States. It's embarrassing. I don't know if he's doing it on purpose. Uh, he's done it so much You'd have to ask yourself at this point whether or not it is uh, on purpose. So here's his initiative, and um, he is uh, uh, trying to, quote-unquote, do the right thing, right? So they want to stop the surge, okay? They created the surge, but because we're fighting, we're having all sorts of problems, we are losing the argument publicly. Uh, Donald Trump has got to be besides himself uh, very angry about all this as uh, Biden is taking the lead on the border and making his first trip to the border while at the very same time uh, complimenting uh, Kamala Harris uh, all over the place. Take a listen. Secretary of Homeland Security Marcus will detail these actions very shortly after I finish at Homeland Security. But here's one significant step we're taking. Over the summer, we saw a huge spike in the number of Venezuelans traveling through, uh, through Mexico and attempting to enter the United States without going through our legal processes. We responded by using uh, uh, and ensuring that there are two safe and lawful ways for someone leaving the country to come to America. That was one of the reasons you, uh, you were proposing. First, if they're seeking asylum, they can use an app on their cell phone called CBP1, O-N-E, CBP1, O-N-E. That's to spell it out, not the number one. He's actually talking about technology to help illegal immigrants across the border. This is uh, 1984 stuff all over again. To schedule an appointment at a port of entry and make their asylum claim there without crossing the border unlawfully and have a decision determined by an asylum officer, do they qualify? Second, in October, we... This is absolutely unbelievable. Joe Biden there asking illegal immigrants to leverage technology so that they can go ahead and make their appointment across the border. Back after a quick break. Second hour, 17 minutes in. What is going on, Joe? You got illegal immigrants scheduling their appointments on their phones <laughs> to cross to cross the border. That's that's where we're at in this uh, newfangled world, 1984. Yes, uh, illegal immigrants. We want to get in your country. 
Uh, we're going to take 30,000 of them and uh, march across the border, and we're going to give them uh, legal, legal citizenship. That's exactly the deal that's being done. This is crazy. It's crazy. So, uh, okay, so let's get back to the agent story, okay? Uh, this happened right at the border in Lordsburg, New Mexico. Yes, uh, New Mexico, the state where, where the state where everything comes to die. Literally, people even retire here because they just come to die. Why? Why? Well, uh, the living's cheap. Um, people can't seemingly find you in this fifth largest state, and there's a limited amount of population. We lost 3,300 roughly, but. Um, Border Patrol agent was shot near Lordsburg along a local highway ahead of Joe Biden's expected trip to the southern border. That's right, folks, uh, here in Nuevo Mexico. National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Judd told the Daily Caller Foundation on Thursday about this and stated that Border Patrol agents made a vehicle stop. In the course of the vehicle stop, a suspect shot a border patrol agent in the chest and also in the arm. Uh, nothing to see here. Nothing locally in our local papers. Remember, run by Democrats. Uh, nothing coming out of the Republican Party. No RPNM announcements uh, being put out. And nothing at all. Okay. Vehicle stopped. Border patrol agent shot in the chest and in the arm. The vehicle then fled and a pursuit took place. Oh, by the way, we had a, a state police officer die last year uh, in about the same area in southern New Mexico. Uh, it's my understanding that the vehicle then crashed and rolled with the suspect fleeing. CBP confirmed the incident occurred in a subsequent statement to uh, the DCNF, whatever that is, uh, where the agency said the agent had been shot multiple times in the chest. The agent was able to return fire as the vehicle sped away. The vehicle was involved in rolled over accident a few miles down the road. The agents took six persons uh, in the vehicle into custody. Documents required additional medical attention were flown to the trauma center in El Paso, Texas. And the agent who was shot was medically evaluated and released. The FBI, the Office of Professional Responsibility, and the New Mexico State Police are conducting probes into the incident with the uh, Border Patrol. So there you go. All sorts of violence uh, here in the state of New Mexico. Six people uh, seized. Uh, and we have, of course, seen a record surge, right? The surge that they're trying to stop, right, Joe Biden? No, no, you know what? Here's how we're going to do. We're going to manage the surge. We're, we know that all of the illegal aliens who are, are illegal, that, what are we supposed to call them? I, I know there's there's a proper name that they want us to refer them to, uh, refer to them to, as, right? They <clears throat> all have cell phones. They all have technology. But right now, you know what happening? what's happening in Russia? It, it, Putin is making all the guys shut off their telephones because apparently that's how the Ukraine is targeting all of the uh, soldiers because a lot of these uh, Russian soldiers are running around with cell phones. They're like, oh, there they are. They're on that cell phone because they're pinging off of towers, pinging off of towers. And, and Joe's like, you know what? Let's let them use their cell phones across the border as they come through. They can schedule it so that we can go ahead and manage the surge. Biden said yesterday that he wanted to travel there to see peace and security. And to see what's going on. Hey, what's going on? President has last visited the border back in 2008. Yes, it's been it's been 15 long years for Joe Biden since he's been now to the border. He drove by the area. Former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said in 2021, 
oh, that's what the border looks like. Is this where my son Hunter comes all the time to New Mexico? Yep. So uh, here we are. There's no major crackdown. The New York Times would sell you this, okay? Um, they're saying that Biden is under pressure to confront the surge. Uh, he's visiting El Paso. El Paso on Sunday is where he's coming. Uh, and remarks that drew condemnation from human rights organizations. Like, you just heard them. They're using their cell phones, human rights organizations. What are you worried about? They're letting them keep their cell phones. They're letting them track. They're not bringing them in. And they can shoot our uh, Border Patrol officers. They're fine. So he's going to allow 30,000 of Cubans, Venezuelans, Haitians, and people from Nicaragua to apply for asylum if they cross the Mexican border. Uh, let me see. From Cuba to Mexico. How's that going? Uh, let's see. Uh, Haiti. <laughs> It's connected to the Dominican Republic, like way out there. Like, how do you take that? Right, where do you take that route going for the Dominican Republic in Haiti, right, all the way so you could cross the border of Mexico? Oh, because it's open in New Mexico. That's right. Not in Texas. Well, now in Arizona, because now you got a, a a very liberal woman who never debated, who stole the election. But that's that, that's a story for another day, right? Haiti Hobbs, right? And then uh, let's see, you've got Venezuela and Nicaragua. Do you know how far those places are? They're going to apply for asylum. Oh, yeah. Their cell phones work in Nicaragua. Cell phones work in Cuba. We're just going to hang out across the border. Everything will be good. He said people from those countries who are among the many tens of thousands of migrants who try to cross the border every month would be returned to Mexico instead. Today, my administration is taking steps to stiffen enforcement for those who try to come out with a legal right to stay. Oh, really? Uh, we just literally heard what you had to say. I, I, it's so unbelievable. I don't even know what to say about it. What is going on, Joe? That's that's some level of uh, some some serious insanity. Uh, so insane, I might have to hear it a second time. In his stop the surge, right? Stop the surge. Is that is that what that what was called? Secretary of Homeland Security Marcus will detail these actions very shortly after I finish at Homeland Security. But here's one significant step we're taking. Over the summer, we saw a huge spike in the number of Venezuelans traveling through, uh, through Mexico and attempting to enter the United States without going through our legal processes. They res we responded by using uh, uh, and ensuring that there are two safe and lawful ways for someone leaving the country to come to America. And that was one of the reasons you, uh, you were proposing. First. If they're seeking asylum, they can use an app on their cell phone called CBP1, O-N-E. C Take this up, CBP1, Customs Border Patrol 1. Like, he's literally advocating for them to install an app, right, to stop the surge. He's managing them through an app. This is some level of crap that I've never heard before. CBP1, O-N-E. That's to spell it out, not the number one. To schedule an appointment at a port of entry and make their asylum claim there without crossing the border unlawfully and have a decision determined by an asylum officer, do they qualify? Second, in October, we... Crazy, folks. This is just absolutely nuts, right? 
Like, they're going to schedule. We'll see if you're available for asylum. Yeah, you're from uh, communist country, Venezuela. Sure, you're running from communism. We're installing new communism here in the United States. You can just use your app and, you know, get plugged in and you're ready to go. Insane. But, hey, it's what we're doing. This is uh, this is what happens when there's this vacuous, you know, non-law and order party that's in charge of the, in, the entire, like, hey, you're, you're, decision to migrate to the united states that's your right that's a human right right isn't that what they're basically saying do it i mean we it's, it's who we are why the immigrant migration is a human right activists say that it is what's your take well i think it is a human right if you have your if your family's being persecuted if you're being dealt with in a way i mean like it was i thought it was a human right for you know uh, uh jews in germany to be able to go to get to escape and get help where they could. Um, what? But the the other side, side. What are you talking about Jews in Germany as these people are seeking asylum? They were ushering them to death camps. What about the human rights of the people here in these United States, the, the January the 6th people? I don't know. I got about 85 of those guys jailed right now. What about their rights? Like, this is insane. What he's talking about, and then going back to uh, Germans and Nazis. Come on, Joe. Within a way, I mean, like it was, I thought it was a human right for, you know, uh, uh, Jews in Germany to be able to go to get to escape and get help where they could. Um, but the other side of this is there's also the people in this country have basic rights that are here basic fundamental right to assure that people are coming have been checked out they're not criminals they're not problem they're you know they're, that their background checks thanks joe i appreciate you uh looking out for the american people there you know background checks we're, we're gonna you know they can install apps they're good at technology you know they might be bringing something with them so sort of uh, pay their pay their way through uh we're, we're gonna get some more of this uh you're welcome to go ahead and call in after the break, uh, 505-550-5500. I will uh, go ahead and uh, forward the phone so you guys can go ahead and uh, call in. Uh, if you're trying to leave Cuba, Nicaragua, or Haiti, or haven't agreed to begin journey to America, do not do not just show up at the border. No, you want to go ahead and install the app first. Schedule a time, right? Schedule a time with one of our asylum you know, policy people so that we can get you scheduled and have an appointment. <laughs> These people can sell anything. Mr. Biden said as many as 30,000 people per month from those four countries would be given the chance to migrate legally to the United States if they have the means to afford a plane ticket, get a sponsor, download an app, pass a background check, and meet other requirements. That's it, folks. There it is. Pathway to citizenship. Right there. What, what, are, we, what are we looking about? 7,500 people from each of those countries, Nicaragua, Cuba, a, a, a month, right? What are you looking at? You're looking at about 75,000, you know, 85,000 from each of those countries just this year alone. This is crazy. But there it is. There's the policy in this vacuum. What the hell is going on, Joe? Back after a quick break here in the Diva. We'll talk more about this effort here to expand the... <laughs>
halfway through the show here on the Rock of Talk, AM 600 KIVA. Here locally, the station that I own, you can go to Roku TV, Amazon Fire, uh, Amazon Fire TV, and Apple TV as well. You can podcast it, SoundCloud, Spotify, download the apps, rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. Just uh, hit those with your, your phone and boom, you get more downloads. Trying to get over 10,000. Between the uh, two apps, uh, I couldn't believe the number of people who have done. Uh, speaking of apps, right? Hey, why don't we have those new asylum seekers come in and just download the apps? They can start uh, at looking at uh, <laughs> good talk radio, uh, shall we? Uh, lots of texts uh, coming in tonight. Uh, any difference between the parties is the Dems are mindless zombies and the GOP are more individual thinkers. I wouldn't say that uh, at all. There's 20 individual thinkers uh, going against the Republican Party right now. Uh, the rhinos uh, who want to be more Democrat than they want to be Republican. Uh, Eddie, you're sounding good. Still getting used to your evening slot. Appreciate that, uh, Maddie. Uh, uh, it's like they're all misbehaving. Great show as always, Eddie. Appreciate that. You guys joining in. Uh, appreciate uh, that very much. Uh, this from Madison Cawthorn. Um, the reason at GOP leader Kevin McCarthy is so upset about me saying a bunch of my Republican colleagues are doing drugs and going into orgies is because he's one of the biggest offenders. Wow. Ooh, wow. You think <laughs> Colin McCarthy, a druggie and going to orgies, eh? Uh, I have personally seen him doing cocaine and hitting on 22 year old staffers. Madison Cawthorn at Cawthorn, C-A-W-T-H-O-R-N for NC. Boy, shot, shots taken, shots fired. That is awesome stuff. Uh, uh, Patrick's very busy tonight. Appreciate that, uh, uh, Patrick. Uh, Eddie, lawsuits against Trump for January 6th, those who lost their lives and were seriously injured. When Pelosi and company announced the extra protection that President Trump White House ordered means they heard they could be some violent negative intel that the White House also heard about. Getting Pelosi to know about it, to begin the White House orders more security, and Pelosi did not approve it. Yeah, she was actually, uh, I think, partly responsible for what happened on Capitol Hill, but uh, they knew all that stuff was coming. Remember the staging, all you have to do is go to Epic Times, the real story behind January 6th, the 80 or so FBI agents uh, who were involved in helping the staging and setting things up. I mean, uh, there's no doubt that it was orchestrated. Um, 80 people, uh, people who were never officially identified, all had masks, you know, because we had masks during that time. And, uh, you know, you literally saw the people in masks were unidentified, bashing in windows, you know, pushing people into certain directions and uh, things like that. So it's all there. The real story behind January 6th, my friend, Joshua Phillips of Epic times. Uh, you should definitely uh, check that out. Hey Eddie. Uh, yes. Using cell phones to penetrate our borders. Uh, we could call it the electronic underground railroad, <laughs> the Ho Chi Minh highway. <laughs> well, that's what they're doing. Uh, it's just crazy that they would encourage that. And what asylum are they seeking? And for what reason? You know, uh, you, you got to have a valid uh, petition and reason to seek refugee status in another country. You just don't just grant it. So, uh, and I think that many of these people will be granted. You, I don't even know if there's that many people who can travel. I mean, from Nicaragua or Venezuela or Haiti, like that's a long distance. You have to, is, are there that many passenger tickets that you could possibly uh take through there i know mexico said well you've crossed the border legally you can stay here but i think they've they've had so many people who have been coming into mexico that mexico has been pushing them out so i, I think now they're accepting them in cooperation with the federal government of the united states and saying okay we're going to take in this many because we know that the united states is going to take them it, it sounds to me like they're going to pass 100 percent of them if that's the case 
Eddie, we need to remind voters out there and listeners when Pelosi and company voted down the money for building the wall that Trump ordered, they also canceled the lawyers that Trump put in place to speed up the legal immigration. That is true. I do know that for a fact. And I think we're talking a lot about, you know, Title 42 uh, as well. 550, 5500. Oh, got an email here. Uh, let me, okay. Asylum is where refugees show up at the border. Yeah, just show up. Just show up here at the border. No, you don't show up at the border. In fact, that is wrong because uh, what did what did he just say? <laughs> President Joe Biden said, do not show up at the border. Schedule your asylum-seeking uh, needs. <laughs> That's what he just said, right? It says, do, my message is this, he said, if you're trying to leave Cuba, Nicaragua, or Haiti, or have agreed to begin a journey to America, do not, do not just show up at the border. And, and this uh, person is writing in, uh, and this is where refugees show up at the border. No, they're telling you, do not show up at the border. Take your time, schedule your trip. Uh, that's the definition, uh, she says. It is not illegal to seek asylum at another country's border, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, well, we're asking them to schedule it. I don't think it is illegal, but if you're in another country illegally and Mexico wants to throw you out, um, it's their right to go ahead and do so. They don't have to grant you anything. Wouldn't it be better if this, this was an organization and process in place? For what reason? Why do we have to grant anybody asylum just because they're seeking it? And on the grounds of what? Political persecution? We have our own level of per political persecution here. Uh, very interesting here, uh, the way that's phrasing it. You see the level of manipulation there. Biden said make an appointment not to get access to the country. Uh, yeah, okay, well, now you're kind of talking both sides. Are they housed while waiting for their appointment? Um, they're going to be in camps, so that's not housed. Being in a camp as uh, someone who's interfaced with, you know, many a refugee, uh, no one person will say that that's housing. Uh, nobody who's staying at Tent City, uh, for example, in Phoenix, Arizona, is going to say, hey, that's housing. Thanks, Joe Arpaio. Thanks for the great tent. Thanks for the great house. No, those are camps. And as you've seen with the people uh, down south in Hildago County, in Deming, in that area, I mean, they've had to do a lot of things down there, and they're not happy about it. They paid for it. They paid for it because the state of New Mexico didn't pay for it. They paid for it because the federal government was supposed to reimburse them. They never got reimbursed. Not all who apply for asylum are granted it. Okay, very few are granted asylum. How do we know? I think there's only very few. Do you have a percentage? Do we know what percentage? Uh, can we trust these numbers? We have no idea about the number of people who've actually crossed the border. I think that's the bigger question in all this. And that's why there is, I think, so much pressure on Joe Biden right now. I think the numbers, if I'm looking at this uh, correctly, um, <clears throat> yeah, with the uh, Title 42 and everything involved, let me see if I can get to the stats on this. Um, pretty incredible because I think we're in the millions. Yeah, here it is. You know what the health law restrictions in place, which is what Title 42 is, President has seen the numbers of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border rise dramatically during his two years in office. There were more than 2.38 million stops during the fiscal year that ended September 30th. A record, a record. That's the first time the number topped 2 million ever. Administration has struggled to clamp down on crossings, reluctant to take hardline measures that would assemble those of the Trump administration and result in relentless criticism from Republicans who say the Democratic president is ineffective on border security. So here he is facing and both human rights now, Right? He's got to face that. Then he's also got to face you know, the Republicans and the law and order people. Let's, let's not forget, you know, El Paso, as Democrat as it may be, I think the entire city council is blue. They still are a very safe city, much safer than my home city, 
of Albuquerque, New Mexico. So let's just put that out there. They want safety. Um, let's see. Whoa. It's that how you insult New Mexico. There's so much good. Really? What's good here? The economy sucks. Uh, the, the, we're one of the worst in terms of unemployment. Uh, we have a labor participation rate uh, that is one of the lowest in the country at uh, 52%. Um, we've had 3,300 people who have picked up and left the state of New Mexico. We're one of the, those blue states who continues to have you know, flight like New York, uh, Illinois, people are picking up and leaving blue states. There isn't good. There isn't real freedom like there is in other states like Arizona, Florida, Oklahoma, and all those other places. And let's not forget, you really want to talk about the freedom that existed in a place like Venezuela, one of the more expensive places to live uh, 10 years ago is now the cheapest place to live and full of communism. There is nothing but government control. And, uh, you know, you got to start reading up on Venezuela trying to reinstall that the opposition uh, to sort of quell what's happening in Venezuela, which is why so many people are living, leaving that state. You know, New Mexico can be considered the Venezuela of the United States in so many ways. So um, I, I would tell you, this is very interesting. I don't think uh, being honest is not being negative. And I think that that's an important distinction. Uh, when things don't work and things haven't been happening the right way, being honest is not being negative. Okay. It's important for us to confront the facts and state exactly while education went from 47 to now 51st. Think about that. You want to talk about, oh, there's so much good here. Well, why is education suck so bad? Why is it so completely terrible? Well, the Democrats are running it. And why is everybody now going to charter schools? Uh, well, you have to answer that question for yourself when you were involved in that particular industry. Back after a quick break, good questions, good feedback. Thanks everybody for joining me here last segment to wrap up hour two and we return more on this here in terms of border security on am 63 kiva tv did a 21 game with uh, what was the other Flavor Flav with the giant clock and uh, apparently he told Flavor Flav when he was at Harrah's in uh, Vegas he said I guess we know what time it is <laughs> my dad doesn't know anything about the, the rap game yeah. you know what time it is and my, my dad literally uh, with the clock yeah. I guess we know what time it is so uh, being the smart ass that he is uh, he's back you know doing all that stuff uh, visiting Vegas I'm not a fan uh, some of the of the gambling stuff, but I like everything else about Vegas. That is for sure. Five fifty, fifty five hundred in the five hundred five. If you want to go ahead and uh, text in, thanks for your input uh, this evening. I'm going to jump ahead uh, to more of the stuff that I was covering before. Thanks everybody for tuning and listening, letting me know that you're listening too, and that's exciting. And um, can't wait to sort of get everything so I can get it out there and in front of you, and you know, will be completed so you're ready uh, for tomorrow. I sort of want to wrap things up here. You know, on Title 42, we got to keep Title 42 open. We, of course, won't be able to because, well, it's one of the things that's just going to go by the wayside. So, you know, Biden's going to say, okay, we're cracking down on illegal uh, immigrate, illegal border crossings. 
we're going to manage them coming in. We're going to end uh, 42. And then they, they, this is exactly what happened today. They, they went after El Chapo's son, and uh, they say Mexican security forces. It was no doubt done with the help of, of, um, of United States forces as well. So it was in the Sinaloa. Sinaloa you should hear women talk from Sinaloa. So uh, I've known people from Mexico. Durango, the scorpions, kind of messy down there. Uh, angry. Uh, Sinaloa, very musical. I mean, just all sorts of them. Uh, down there, very. I, I lived in Mexico City, as uh, as may maybe you might know. Uh, so they captured Ovidio Guzman, the son of former Sinaloa cartel boss Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, who is at uh, Max Security Super Supermax in uh, Denver, in a military operation on the outskirts of Sinaloa State Capital of Culiacan, uh, days before Biden visits the country. No doubt coordinated. It was an operation by the National Guard. Army troops prompted the cartel members to go on a statewide rampage, burning buses, trucks, staging shootouts in the Culiacan airport. Um, you got to check out that Borderland uh, website. They always have the photos and, you know, the massacres that happen. I mean, those people are more powerful than the politicians. Oftentimes, they take out local mayors and other elected officials. Mr. Guzman was flown aboard a military plane to Mexico City, where he was being held. Facilities in the federal attorney general's office where his legal situation was to be determined. General Sandoval said the following Mr. Mr. Guzman's detention. Members of the criminal organization set up 19 roadblocks in Culiacan and carried out attacks in different places, including at the Culiacan airport and local military airbase, as they oftentimes do in retaliation. Uh, Mexican flagship airline Aeromexico, nice airline by the way, said a bullet hit the fuselage of an Embraer 190 plane, a good sized plane. That was due to fly from Culiacan to Mexico City. The flight was then canceled. No passengers or crew were hurt. The airline said video posted on Twitter from inside the plane showed passengers dunking in front of their seats. So um, you've got to you've got to watch some of these movies uh, that, that that you know show the coordination between the CIA, FBI, you know uh, forces, the uh, federales, judicial. Um, you've got all the different uh, forces uh, that are there. So when you take out someone like this. Uh, these strikes are uh, met with a lot of uh, retaliatory force. So there's going to be a lot of violence in the uh, Sinaloa era, uh, area uh, during this time, which is a pretty large state in uh, Mexico, uh, just south of, of uh, Arizona. A lot of the people were digging tunnels through Yuma. That's how they would smuggle and get things through there. I actually knew a lot of people uh, out of Yuma and uh, that area. So, okay. So, Biden moved to end the Title 42 restrictions. And the very same time, for people who don't know what Title 42 is, and you get caught up in all this jargon, uh, then you say he's cracking down and making the borders more secure. And then he's, you know, like to appeal to this, the liberal person who was uh, emailing me about, oh, well, isn't it better to have a process? No, <laughs> this is the types of people who are wanting to come here. As I've already told you, there's better places to live, especially in Latin America. Like the cheapest place to live right now in all of South America is Buenos Aires. Why wouldn't you want to go to Buenos Aires? Especially after winning the World Cup and all the festivities that are going on. It's not a, a terrible economy. You know, they move Lula back into the, the very corrupt Lula back into the presidency in Brazil. You know, if they want to be leftists, they can welcome to be leftists uh, with Lula uh, in, in, in Brazil. And, you know, the, the, you go there. No reason to come up here, okay? Make it harder for yourself to come in, all right? Venezuelans, uh, they were averaging, I don't know, between 250 to 300, uh, went up as high as uh, 
1,300. Uh, Venezuelans were seen far less at the border after Mexico agreed on the 12th of October to begin accepting those expelled from the United States. They're pushing them out. They were stopped 7,931 times, down 64% from October. Venezuelans have said the charges have been difficult, particularly with finding a sponsor with the financial resources to demonstrate the ability to support them, which is part of the asylum-seeking process. And even if they find a sponsor, sometimes they delay their arrival because they don't have the economic resources to pay for the flight to the U.S. Uh, someone was uh, texting me, there's no way that they can get in that number of people coming from those four areas on flights. Uh, oftentimes, they're just flying once or twice into Mexico from each of those countries per day. So no doubt that those are probably sold out for however far ahead that they schedule them. Now, more stuff on Title 42. Um, they had 1.1 million expulsions in 2022, okay? Uh, Title VIII, or U.S. immigration law, was used approximately 1.35 million times over the same period of time. So between 42 and Title VIII on both of these, um, you're looking at uh, 2.45 million expulsions, okay? Fiscal year 23 arrests are already slated to set another new record because so many people, and this is what happens when you have uh, that type of communication taking place that's saying, hey, you should definitely come to the United States. There's a process. You can use your phone. We're going to make it easy. It's encouraging these people to come in. Uh, heck, even the slim chance that they can take a risk and you know, make $4 for every one hour of unit that they work more than what they were doing before is a reason for them to be motivated to come here. So if they can save it, they will do it. And, and it should be put to bed that a majority of the fentanyl trafficking, and I don't know why conservatives and Republicans get this idea in their head that it's all about the illegal immigrants who are bringing across the fentanyl. That is such bogus crap. It's not, okay? It's, it's white kids in high tops going across the borders, making deals, and bringing that fentanyl and sneaking it into the United States because they won't be checked. 86% of the arrests are happening on exactly that type of profile. That's exactly what's happening right now. That's who's bringing it in. So we got to get rid of this whole thing about, you know, fentanyl and, you know, this, these things. You know, Biden hasn't visited the border in, in 15 years. All these conservatives who are, you know, putting out that, that mythology out there, when's the last time that they've been to the border? This is just not factual, and it makes us look like idiots. All right, back to the uh, action. Title 42 was a public health order imposed by U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention because of a concern that people entering the United States were carrying COVID-19. It has been utilized for quick expulsions of some illegal immigrants, but the administration is preparing for its withdrawal, just like they're doing in China right now. China, 80% of the people in Shanghai have already had COVID or have COVID. More than 50%, as I told you yesterday, likely have COVID. And they're encouraging Literally right now, they are encouraging more people to get COVID. That's what the Chinese are doing. They're going to be opening up this weekend. I'm going to tell you what that's going to mean in hour number three. The Centers for Disease Control alleged in the spring of 22 that the order was, quote, unquote, no longer necessary due to the highly effective vaccines and therapeutics. Yeah, right. But a judge blocked the administration from lifting it altogether. A different judge said the order had to be terminated because the CDC didn't consider alternatives to combat COVID-19. That judge's ruling was paused to give the administration Time to prepare. And on Christmas Day, they granted an emergency request from 19 states to keep Title 42 in place for the time being. So that's where we are. That's why Biden is going to the border. Hey, just in time so we can get these people processed quickly enough so they don't have to be an actual resident and they can go ahead and vote in those all important red states where so many of these people that are flocking to need help.
mowing lawns, working in the house, uh, or just congregating. And that's exactly what's going to happen. When people are losing their jobs, are these people going to be qualified to get jobs when you're shedding 150,000 plus tech jobs or other service jobs, help wanted, all this stuff that's out there? No, they're becoming a drag and a pull and a drain on the human resources, or excuse me, the, um, the uh, I forget the name of the, the department in, in my state, New Mexico, where they, you know, dole out and they're, they become immediately eligible for these types of benefits if they happen to be housed here. If they can qualify, I don't think they can qualify for Section 8, but I know that they can qualify for food stamps and EBT cards and all the rest of that stuff. So it's going to become a bigger drag, uh, I think, on the government. It's going to cost more, but the Democrats, again, will not care whatsoever. Why? Well, because it guarantees them power going forward. They're going to get them registered. And every single time that you go to apply for these um, welfare uh, benefits, they always ask you the question. They always ask you a question. Are you registered to vote? That's exactly what they talk about. 550-5500 in the 505. Hour three up next. We've got a lot of things to talk about, including, well, housing. We'll uh, see what Toronto is doing. The very progressive leftist, the mayor pledging nearly $2 billion in the 23 budget for housing initiative. Uh, Chinese regime, as I told you, intends to have as many people in China infected as possible according to sources. And then uh, Biden administration launching a new pilot COVID-19 telehealth program. Uh, the NFL finally officially canceling that game, the Bills versus the Bengals. And uh, a lot more to cover in the third hour. Stay tuned right after the top of the hour news here in the Kiva. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. In order to fight the Fight the power. Fight the power. Post 10 o'clock, and we'll get you all caught up uh, for tomorrow in the Kiva. Don't forget, you can catch me on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Podcasting, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And, of course, uh, rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. Yellow is the color of the day. Jupiter, our planet. And uh, let's not forget, uh, we've got a, a nice weekend ahead of us, the first weekend of 2023. So uh, looking forward to uh, broadcasting tomorrow. And then uh, I'll be doing Sunday night. Uh, that'll be coming uh, very soon. Hopefully, by the end of this month, uh, once we're up on the bird, we're all set to go and uh, we can be broadcasting. And I'll be doing my nighttime broadcast post Ben Ferguson uh, on that uh, as well. Covered a lot of ground, Title 42, Title 8. Um, you've heard at the top of the hour. As, as you can see, I'm preparing you for the next day of items that are out there, not to mention our first hour recovering the the speaker, the denigrating situation up on Capitol Hill. And uh, maybe maybe this is a good thing. It's a blessing in disguise not allowing these congressmen to, you know, sort of get started on the year. I think it's uh, not the best uh, thing. Uh, they're just going to spend more of your money, create more of their uh, fat pockets for their districts so they can bring something back to their constituents. And uh, as you heard that amazing text, I had no idea. Uh, this is from an actual congressman. Uh, putting this stuff out there, uh, or excuse me, uh, someone who knows GOP leader Kevin McCarthy, 
Um, Addison Cawthorn, the reason GOP leader Kevin McCarthy is so upset about me saying a bunch of my Republican colleagues are doing drugs and going to orgies is because he's one of the biggest offenders. I've personally seen him doing cocaine and hitting on 22-year-old staffers. So uh, there you go. Um, good third hour here lined up. We're going to sort of uh, close up shop on all of the other news uh, that's out there. There's a lot out there. You just heard the Hamlin, number one uh, selling jersey. I think he's raised like $7 million. Uh, due to the calamitous thing that happened to him with his collapse on Monday. We're still trying to get to the bottom of it. More likely than not, it had something to do with the uh, vaccination based on everything that researching that we're seeing out there, uh, given what we've seen from Dr. Peter McCullough uh, and other uh, doctors, Dr. Robert Malone out there. And then, of course, uh, the well-documented. We had that information yesterday where I was telling you the number of athletes that have had sudden uh, cardiac uh, vaccine verified in the VAERS database over the last two years. It's like the last 30 years compared to the last two years in terms of vaccinations. There's no comparison. Like That's how much it accelerated since the vaccinations. And yet the mainstream media is not going to allow you to go ahead and talk about it in that way because we still want to get people vaccinated. But, you know, we'll sort of uh, start there. I, I do also want to talk about uh, the Idaho slaying. His DNA was found at the crime scene, folks. So, um, <clears throat> That's not going to be a uh, that's not going to be a hard case to solve there with uh, DNA. Uh, there we'll also get a little financial news. Uh, the stock situation uh, today, a, a big uh, valuation. I don't know if anybody knows what ChatGBT is, uh, but it is sort of the new innovation, uh, which we will be getting into more and more. Uh, that is the future. A thirty billion dollar valuation on that uh elon that would have been a much better thing to invest in bro just uh, letting you know and then uh we will touch upon uh, ukraine we'll talk about how india will overtake china as the world's most populous country here in the next uh, few years and then of course you heard that sad news we'll wrap the hour with that utah man killing his wife five children and mother-in-law uh, according to police so um there it is so a lot of stuff uh to uh, get to uh, 550, 50, 500. All right. So where it all started from was in China, right? So the Chinese uh, regime intends to have as many people in China infected as possible. This is according to uh, sources. There's, uh, they're set to let those who are destined to be infected just get infected. They told the Chinese language Epic Times that the internal document has been circulating within top echelons of the CCP requesting that all regions should, quote-unquote, let those who are destined to be infected get infected and let this wave of infections reach and pass its peak before the CCP's two sessions in 23, which is usually held in March. So they're inducing this, okay? Now, they're all set to open up, folks. They're all set to open up in, in China. It, it's crazy, okay? Um, and The Economist uh, writes extensively about it and what it means and, you know, the three or four different articles. What does the Great Reopening mean for china so uh, this is going to be in three days the borders are opening in china on january the 8th they'll have spent 1016 days closed to the outside world the country's zero covid policy has been a social and economic experiment without precedent a vast public health campaign that kept the disease at bay supposedly well actually did um, they have very low covid numbers but now they're letting everybody get it xi jinping's pride and joy and by the end a waking nightmare for chinese 1.4 billion people Okay, so there's going to go ahead and increase consumption, increase production at a time. Why are they doing this? Well, they're going to overtake the United States 
as the largest economy within 10 to 12 years, right? Become richer, have more money coming in. Now, during COVID, incomes fell, okay? But there's zero COVID also squashed spending as people avoided traveling and eating out. Their savings rates went through the roof, right? Everything was closed. People just absorbed more and more money. Uh, it looks like that their savings increased by, on an average, about 9%, okay? And and their economy started growing just this last year, okay? Paribus Bank, by the way, you can listen to Bloomberg Radio early in the morning. It's so good. Having Tom Keen back in and Bloomberg Radio on the morning is so good. My brain just expands as soon as these guys start talking. You have the guy in Britain, you have Tom Keen in New York, and then you have the analyst uh, that's there of New York, and then all the guests that sort of cycle through. And they're telling you and opening you up to things that you haven't even thought about when it comes to everything to what's happening in D.C., the financial world, the stock markets, where we're at on the bonds, what the companies look like. Like, they're giving you all of the information, okay? It's all right there. BNP Paribas reckons household consumption will grow by 9% in 2023. So while we're all tapering back and we're losing money and our economy's not growing, what's China set to do, right? And they're sh we're shedding jobs here. China's expanding, okay? China's GDP growth is likely going to expand by 5% this year, okay, year over year. That's, that may not seem like a big deal, but it's huge. The economic implications of reopening extend a field, according to The Economist. Zero COVID kept a lid on China's demand for global goods, services, and commodities. They're going to have more imports coming in. An overheated economy in America and interrupted by a supply energy across Europe. At least this time, China isn't contributing to inflation. How are they going to battle that? Well, cheap money. Why? Well, they haven't had to worry about that, and they have high savings rates. Americans do not. China's recovery will lift global growth for the simple reason that the country is in large part of the world economy. Their GDP percentage changed year over year. Take a listen to this. This is going to floor you. They declined in 18 uh, through 20. They went negative, negative 7% in uh, two th at the middle of 2019, beginning of 2020. Then it spiked to about 17%. Then it went all the way down to the middle of 2021 to 0% and stayed there through the mid-22. It's expected to grow by 5%, as I stated before, this year. 12% in, in the mid-year this year uh, of 23. And by the beginning of 24, it's going to stabilize overall at about 4%. So that's what you're looking at be heavy demands overall in the Chinese economy, okay? China, once it lifts its COVID-19 restrictions, will have more and more people spending money, going out, entertaining themselves, not to mention meeting each other, and increase factory production. They haven't had that, as you know, that we've been suffering uh, from the fact that China is no longer going to be manufacturing certain goods, but uh, there it is. So that's what the great reopening is going to mean, and they're going to want to go ahead and blow through this COVID and create this uh, herd immunity that we were trying to do at the very beginning. But remember, we wanted you to get vaxxed instead. So, you know, a lot of these cities uh, in, in China have opened up too slowly. They have changed that altogether. The CCP has decided to open up the entire economy altogether. Back after a quick break uh, here in the Kiva. And that's what it looks like uh, when we return. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how an emboldened China might attack Taiwan during this time. Back in three. R-E-S-P-C-T. When our word means to me. R-E-S-P-C-T. <laughs> 
We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out because I love you too much, baby. Oh, Eddie, sorry I have to sign off. Uh, not feeling well at all. First night of listening. Enjoyed it very much. Glad you kept me company. I kept you company. And uh, we're here together, 8 to 11, live in the Kiva. And uh, soon to be broadcasting a number of other radio stations uh, as well. Looking uh, forward to that. Thanks for uh, my friends. Uh, sort of uh, across a number of states who are helping me put it all together and uh, are listening right now and uh, enjoying what they're hearing and getting caught up on. You know, news that uh, generally a lot of conservatives don't talk about. They're so focused and playing the same stuff all the time. And it's like one hit. Okay, we, we got to move away from that. We got to talk about new things, right? And you start talking about China. And uh, yesterday I referred to Elon Musk who's now doing deals in China because of the great reopening. Okay. So China is going to be doing so well that they're going to make up for the losses in Europe and America. So the global economy, the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China are going to continue to grow. That's right, folks. Well, the United States is tapering back. We're dealing with inflation, too much consumption. We have all these policies. We have done ourselves in. We are not ready for the next 250 years. Okay. And speaking of which, for those of you who think uh, we have military superiority, uh, I just watched a about a minute and 40 seconds of a Chinese jet fighter intercepting a U.S. spy plane. Footage released by the U.S. military shows a Chinese jet fighter flying within 20 feet of American Air Force plane over the South China Sea on December 21st. They're feeling strong. They're going to attack Taiwan. No, no, no doubt about it. Okay, it's coming, and they're letting you know by little incidents such as this. Okay, the U.S. said the close encounter forced its jet to take evasive maneuvers to avoid collision. Buzzing the tower, buzzing the planes, letting them know that, hey, you know what? We can take you on, right? So oil cheaper in China, everything overall is, you know, a lot cheaper. They're working with Russia, okay? Now, inflation might start to sort of creep up on the uh, Chinese, but overall, it's going to be pretty open. Chinese officials are trying to do whatever they can to repair the damage uh, to the economy that they've done by this zero COVID rule. But now that they're just reopening everything, they know that they are united in their commitment to be a hegemonic power. What, what, what's, that? what's a hegemonic power? What is it? Well, it's a, uh, a power that everybody else relies upon. They get to throw their weight around. And the first sign of that will be their takeover of Taiwan. Now, speaking of takeovers, as I indicated to you before, India is going to take over China as the world's most populous country. Since 1950, India and China have provided 35% of the world's population growth. 35%, one-third. Every third child is coming from those two countries in the world. The other 100 and, I don't know, 95 countries not producing that. China has a strict family planning rules, the one-child policy that was introduced uh, way back in 1980. But you start to look at these numbers. Population by age group in the billions. And you look at 2023, you look at 2050, you look at 2100, here, uh, 2100. Here's, here's what it looks like. China's going to start losing population. That's right, folks. They're going to peak out at about 1.45 billion people. What's going to happen to India? India is going to go all the way to about 1.8 billion people. 
when is India going to overtake China? Uh, this year. <laughs> That's right. Both will be at $1.428 billion mid-2023. Okay? Mid-2023. GDP per person in India. By the way, very, very poor in India. I mean, you're looking at numbers that are just, wow. My gosh, how do they live? Population change, explosive growth in the northern Indian parts with their GDP per person continues to decline in places like Delhi, Rajasthan, Uttar Pradesh, Bihar, and Jakran. Okay, so you look at all this stuff and you're saying, oh, okay, well, what's happening? We know the world's population reached 8 billion people. China's becoming more rich. Less willingness to start families, expand families, right? To the degree that they actually can, right? China's role as the world's factory is now probably going to take a second seat, and they're going to transfer that over, and this is how they become a hegemonic power. More military, more living in larger houses, having bigger roles, and they're going to decline significantly. China's, China's population, and this is kind of incredible, is going to go sub-1 billion by 2050. They're going to have less and less and less people and have more and more money. By contrast, in 2050, India will nearly be twice the size of China. That's right, folks. India will be twice the size of China in 2050. Okay? That's what we look at. When you make more money, you have less children, in addition to the policies that are also sort of put in, um, which, you know, I'm not saying that they're letting these people all infect each other with the COVID virus so they can become less healthy. No, it's quite the opposite. They have discovered something that Pfizer, Moderna, and all the rest of you who've taken all your vaccinations, remember, whatever happened to that other uh, virus that was supposed to be ushered out that, you know, we didn't somehow get here in the United States. So that was very curious. Well, they got it in China. Very, very interesting. 550-5500, that's 550-5500. So um, here we are, we're bringing in more people into the United States that are not United States citizens, right, seeking asylum. Why doesn't China do that? How come these people aren't going to a richer, you know, less factory-oriented China? This would be the time to go ahead and do that. Well, when you start bringing in people from other places, well, let's just look at what happens, right? You have more homeless people. You have uh, more homeless people because these people who are willing to race and, you know, commit themselves to jobs and economic opportunity that they haven't had before, they put other people out of jobs and people who are mentally unstable, or chemically dependent, or have some sort of chemical imbalance, a mental issue, can't hold a job, they become homeless. And we're seeing that happening more and more in westernized westernized countries, okay? including the United States, Canada, but also Europe. Homelessness is expanding in Europe uh, considerably. Why? The level of immigration from Africa that has come in. In Toronto, the mayor has a solution. For homelessness. Now, I know that they just, uh, on Monday night in my hometown of Albuquerque, they were uh, trying to figure out places where the NIMBY crowd would say, no, no, not in my backyard. Well, we, we don't want your, you know, camps being. And a Republican, Trudy Jones, a Republican, jumped on board with the Democrats saying, yeah, 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 you know what? We're going to go ahead and continue to expand this along with our mayor. It's not good. Instead of them uh, winning it uh, with a 5-4, they needed 6-3 to overturn it. It did not happen. Toronto Mayor John Tory is announcing within his budget, he's investing 20 in 2023, 
close to $2 billion in spending towards initiatives to address the city's housing shortage. That's $616 million in support for the city's tax base for housing initiatives, okay? A housing action plan. Now, we, we need a little bit of this, okay? But not because of the homeless. We need new, pay, new people to roll out new developments, but the city of Albuquerque planning department isn't doing that. According to Tory, says this is needed funding to help our most vulnerable residents and to help people find a pathway out of homelessness. You might say that some of the reasons why people are moving out of the, my city is because there's a lack of homes available. $146 million will be allocated for operating the city's housing secretariat, which is in charge of developing housing solutions, including creating and maintaining safe and affordable rental and ownership housing for lower-income residents. Now, I want to stop there because we've already just committed in, of those $2 billion that's been you know shelled out. Or literally $1 billion of it is already spent on administrative costs. One is for the city's tax base. The other one is for the secretariat. Not a good use of that money. Why? Well, governments will get charged more by private companies who ostensibly have to roll out this stuff and will charge the governments far more because there seems to be no end to charging these governments more and they have no idea what they should be paying because they don't pay fair market value. They pay what it takes to go ahead and satisfy the electorate to get them reelected. You heard that right. They don't care about what it costs. They just care that it gets done. That's a bad way to approach any project. According to Tory says the investments will help protect renters from eviction, save affordable housing. It might be lost to the private market, build more supportive housing, and ensure our parks, rinks, and youth spaces are fully operational welcoming. They will not. More dependency creates more inefficiencies, and it creates for many of these cities more unmanageable problems. Increased population, more and more people are dependent upon drugs here in the city of Albuquerque, reasons why they can't hold a job and pay for themselves, and then they get bailed out by the government that provides some level of housing. Not a good thing, and provides these camps where they can go ahead and have easy access to these drugs, which now marijuana is now legal in my city of Albuquerque. They never get out of that cycle, no matter how much money you throw at them. The government cannot solve the homelessness problem. Home builders do. Development does. Private industry does. Charities do. There's people who are trying to get on their feet. The best opportunity they have to do so is give their life to a belief, to God. Have some purpose in life. Not continue to go ahead and be chemically uh, dependent or chemically imbalanced, right? Many cases, both. $2 billion. I don't know what the overall budget is, but it sounds like a lot of money. And let's not forget, it costs more than a thousand bucks a square foot in my hometown to go ahead and roll out these tiny little houses for people to go ahead and live in. Not a good use, not a good use of the taxpayer money. 550-5500, that's 550-5500, lots of more to get to. Uh, we will uh, touch upon DeSantis. He's demanding that the uh, universities account for their CRT diversity and their spending. That's the money that they're getting. Also talk about uh, New Jersey requiring schools to teach media literacy. Uh, a good thing? I think so. You should uh, figure out a way to navigate through it, but I wouldn't trust public education that. Back in three, after a quick, uh, actually back in five, after the bottom of the hour uh, commercial run. Thanks, everybody. We'll go into our last half hour when we return right here in the Kiva.
the boss. 1035 here in the Kiva. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. Uh, inaugural week, Thursday, the first Thursday of the show for all time, but the first Thursday of the year as uh, well. Boy, so much to get to. I guess we could do uh, Chris Christie out of New Jersey, the boss out of New Jersey. Uh, Chris Christie will no doubt be making um, his run for the presidency in 2024 as he does. You know, every four years, they just roll his fat ass out there and uh, have him make a... <laughs> I loved it when he was hanging out with um, with Donald Trump. He was basically carrying his back, following him around like a little buddy. You know, it's just, it, Chris Christie is the one guy that I just... I, I can't stand. I, it's just whatever. For whatever reason, I just I just don't like him. I guess he was an effective governor, governor uh, of New Jersey. Uh, one of the happier places to live in the country, surprisingly, is New Jersey and Maryland. What? That's weird, but um, hey, I don't know. But some sort of weird way of measuring happiness, I suppose, is the only reason I could come to that. Check out Wallet Hub uh, for that. I covered that yesterday. All right. So, um, speaking of running for governor, all right, um, Governor Sununu, New Hampshire governor, okay? He's definitely having conversations about a 24 run, Chris Sununu, right? Uh, insisting there's plenty of time to make a decision before announcing if he would run for president. He acknowledged uh, with Fox News that he has been approached about entering the race by who? I mean, have we already just stated at this point? And we know Trump's running, obviously. Um, but didn't we already, is it going to be Trump DeSantis? What? Sununu, this isn't your party, bro. Well, maybe it is. So who cares? A lot of folks are coming to me. Who? A lot of folks want me to run. Who? It's definitely conversations that we're having. Who is asking you to run? Uh, born to run was uh, Trump. Born to run was DeSantis. Uh, I don't know about Sununu. So uh, here it is. Uh, Sununu asked about his potential presidential run. My first priority is New Hampshire. That's how they always say that. Does every politician just, my first, I got to finish my job here. And then they, like next week, they, they announce, right? He was reelected to a fourth term in the New Hampshire governor's mansion last November after declining to run for the U.S. Senate against Maggie Hassan. We lost that one. Then went to uh, the Democrat Hassan. Bolduc lost. Six months from now, a year from now, who knows? That might happen between now and then. And then those unknown variables could really dictate who gets in the race and how successful they will be, he says. So there's lots of time to play it out. Uh, Sununu definitely running. There you go. There's the. Now, let's check in on DeSantis, uh, the most successful governor in the country. Big economy, uh, big growth, lots of big things. And, you know, he said that he was going to go against the woke agenda and right out of the gates, uh, exactly what he's doing. Uh, DeSantis had a landslide reelection victory. Uh, lots of Hispanics. He carried uh, Marco, Marco Rubio, right, uh, back into uh, the Senate uh, with, you know, let's not forget there would be no DeSantis without Trump. Trump carried DeSantis in. Remember that, okay? DeSantis barely won, barely won, and now he wins by a landslide. So DeSantis now passing it on to his buddy who's going to have a tough time getting reelected in Marco Rubio, right? Now DeSantis has gone after the Department of Education and its public university system, writing for information on their use of state resources for programs connected with CRT, critical race theory. He wants to know, what are we using this money for? A letter indicating that the governor seeks the information to prepare his 2023 budget proposals, asserting, quote, unquote, if it's important that we have a full understanding of the operational expenses of the state institution, isn't this what we want? They should just get rid of the Department of Education nationally. It's only been around since 1979, right? The private sector can certainly do better, although 
the U.S. News and World Reports rating all these new, you see what's happening, right? They're having to retract the medical school ratings, retract the, you know, uh, the uh, top 25 schools like Harvard, Princeton, Yale. I think a couple of them aren't participating anymore. People want to know these ratings are important. DeSantis, DeSantis wants to know because he wants to strike down certain programs that are being allocated within the CRT. According to Brian Griffin on Twitter, all state university and college systems in Florida have been required to report expenditures and resources utilized for campus activities related to diversity, equity, and inclusion and critical race theory. Stay tuned. Thank God. We need to know. Like, this isn't what we're, like, if you give the government, especially a woke government, a blank checkbook, they'll spend it on some of the stupidest things that you could possibly think so, that you could possibly think of. The State Department, for example, okay, we know what's happened there, the guy who was stealing luggage, and he identifies himself as, uh, I don't know, one of the other, you know, 55 different, uh, I, I don't know what it is. I'll have to bring that up again. He's He's now been reprimanded and kicked out. He's no longer one of the leads of the uh, U.S. Department of State. Doesn't prevent the U.S. Department of State from doing stupid things with your money. It's advertising and partially funding a $1.5 million grant opportunity to support LGBTQI activism around the world. Yes, because that's what we need to do. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> there it is. The Department of State, Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor, which hopes to empower local movements throughout the world and promote full social inclusion. The grant opportunity, which was announced on December 29th of last year, will provide between 750 to 1.5 million to organizations that support LGBTQI agenda. Wow. See? <laughs> this wouldn't happen under a DeSantis presidency. Associated document called for the notice of funding opportunity goes into greater depth regarding the scope of the initiative. In addition to empowering local movements and promoting full social inclusion, the grant is intended to address, quote-unquote, critical race is issues of justice. All right. So where does this money come from? Okay, besides the U.S. government. Money for the grant will come from the governments of the United States, Canada, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Iceland, Italy, Montenegro, the Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, Argentina, Australia, every government. That's moving further and further to the left. Look at the G7. Look at the leaders of the G7. Every single one's a leftist, except for one. Grant hopes to improve, quote-unquote, access to justice. What does that mean? Is there some sort of injustice? We need to get Eddie Aragon off the radio so he can no longer talk about the LGBTQI that he won't support. Why? Wouldn't, wouldn't that amplify and help you get even more support? If I'm so against it, all the people who already support you are going to just dole out that much more to prevent me from being effective. We can never want to see Trump win. We'd never want to see Eddie win. We'd never want to see those people who preach hatred. I'm not preaching hatred. I just don't think money should be used for that. Any more than it should be used for, you know, people with one leg and three teeth organization. It's unnecessary. Why is the government involved in any of this? Okay. So let's go back to Chris Christie in uh, New Jersey. Because I think this is probably the thing that maybe I'm helping you with. Media literacy. Sort of sifting through all the media of the day. What's out there. What's real. What's not. Okay. So New Jersey is now requiring schools to educate students in, in grades uh, K through 12. Okay. I read this one book called All Consuming Images, which for me is an art history book. is really important in terms of interpreting what, what's, 
what pictures meant, what signs meant, so that you can interpret them, what was being communicated to you. Very important to decipher that, realize the history, the meaning behind it, why it might be put out there. You know, uh, there's another book by Carl Jung called Man and His Symbol. Like these are things that you need to educate yourself because they're constantly trying to, uh, you know, take you over, right? You, you cover one eye. What's that uh, covering one eye? Well, that's part of the Illuminati. Right? It actually is, <laughs> believe it or not. But Democratic Governor Phil Murphy, he succeeded uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham for the DGA chairmanship last year, signed the legislation this week to add the requirement to the state's student learning standards. Media literacy is also featured as an included category. Okay. It depends upon what you're teaching them and how you're teaching them to read. The schools are required to teach students on how best to perform research, to scrutinize biased materials, and about the process of creating such content. Doesn't sound good to me so far. Why? Because they're going to go ahead and say that anybody who interprets things in a traditional veil will be considered racist or biased. Okay? They're going to consider it what? Misinformation. They state the new standards will help develop young residents who can recognize false claims and the skills to succeed in a web-driven world. There you go. Back for our final segment when we return here in the Kiva. Thanks for listening to The Rock of Talk in the Kiva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay, stay, stay. Little maps here in the Kiva. My favorite uh, songs, if you will. Uh, good stuff. All right, uh, uh, Anne, uh, thanks for checking in. Uh, you're great. She says, uh, Eddie, it's great to hear your voice. Here's to a better year. Yeah, a better year. Better year all around for all of us. That's what we need, okay? Uh, Wall Street Journal just putting this out. NFL cancels Bills Bengals game. Oh, sports radio is going to be on fire tomorrow. Damn, I didn't get to cash my chick ticket. What's it going to be for my Bengals? We got it. We got a three. Got to be a three seed, a four seed. I I don't know, man. I don't know. Sometimes there's more important things than the Bills versus the Bengals, right? I, I mean, seriously. Um, I'm gonna start this trend on on the show where i sort of finish off with a lot of bad news not because i'm trying to finish off uh, bad news but because you know so many people lead off with good news if it bleeds it leads i'm, I'm not into that like we've got to talk about things that are actually going to matter i mean once people are murdered or dead or died like that's kind of it i don't want to hear about all that stuff up front get locked on that distraction locked on that distraction okay told you a little bit earlier the slaying suspects dna found at the crime in moscow idaho the affidavit says the dna matching that of 28 year old brian kohlberger was found on a knife sheath recovered at the crime scene just a short drive across the state border where he's a criminal justice doctoral student no longer <laughs> the affidavit also said i would love love to read that the doctoral thesis you know what what would have it been on like hasn't someone asked that question that'd be interesting the FBI thinks he's, he's killed before. Well, there's no doubt. 
I mean, the whole idea. There's actual video of him showing at the wake for the four students. Like, this is one sick F, right? I could actually use the whole word. I could say the F word if I want after 10. Yeah. yeah. Well, power, power after 10. Well, the affidavit also says that his cell phone belonging to Kohlberger was near the victim's home on a dozen occasions prior to the killings. He was scoping it out. For as smart as you were, buddy, with your doctoral student, with a soon-to-be PhD, uh, apparently didn't think about everything. Maybe he got too interested in what he was trying to achieve, right? It might be it. Koberger made his first appearance uh, today in an Idaho court where he faces four charges of first-degree murder. He didn't enter a plea and was ordered to held without bail. Man, give him the chair! The chair! Koberger goes down, right? Maybe he could write a thesis on himself. Uh, but more sad news. This one not good. Uh, this one real bad. In Utah. Don't divorce the man in Utah. Communities at this time is hurting. This is uh, in, uh, they have a lot of questions. Um, but a married couple, five children. And their maternal grandmother, mother-in-law, have died after a man, Michael Height, H-A-I-G-H-T. For those of you keeping score at home. Shot all his kids and his wife and his mother-in-law, including himself, in response to his wife's filing for divorce uh, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago would have brought us to the 20. Is that prior to Christmas? Wow. Well, now we know why she filed for divorce. Hyde's wife, uh, Tausha. Uh, I can never tell in, in Utah if someone's white or black. Like, generally speaking, you could always tell if someone's white or black, you know, based upon it. And for whatever reason, Mormons, I mean, half those names that they, you know, you know where I'm, do I have to say the, you know, the rest, Tasha, T-A-U-S-H-A. She's probably white, white eyes, late December filed for divorce. According to court record, doesn't matter. I'm just putting it out there. According to court records that the New York Post viewed, authorities discovered the eight dead while performing a wellness check on the family. I might as well just take a look at the New York Post. Uh, article a little bit more detailed because there's New York Post is famous for uh, putting and it's Utah. I mean, the chances of it being a, I think Utah has less black people than than New Mexico. I'm not racist, folks. Stating facts is is not. Oh, yep, they're white. Tasha, there's this guy. Oh. Looking kids, I can't tell which was his oldest daughter or his wife. Common thing. It's very, very common. Oh, so sad. There's a grandmother. Stories you know said he killed his mother-in-law. Gail Earl. A lot of made-up names, including a lot of last names up there. But anyway, nonetheless, a very, very, very sad episode uh, there uh, as a Utah man kills wife, five children, mother-in-law, um, and Enoch City. What are they teaching there? Poor Gail. She was, seven, she was 78. Uh, his... Teenage daughter was 17. Uh, <clears throat> 12-year-old little girl, too. He also had a 7-year-old little girl. He spaced them five years there. And a 7-year-old boy must be twins, uh, right? right? And then a 4-year-old boy. So Mr. Chestnut spoke through tears. He described the shock and devastation in Enoch City, which has about 8,000 residents. He said the Heights had lived next door to his family and that their youngest children had played his sons uh, with his in the yard. Oh, that's just... White family, by the way. So there you go. Uh, 
Tough day on Wall Street, folks. Yeah, it was a bad one. Uh, I'm not sure what it's going to look like tomorrow. You can uh, basically tune in at 3 in the morning, get uh, get the forecast. I'm not sure what the futures are are holding, but uh, the Dow the Dow dropped. Um, big slide today. Crude oil rebounds after slumping at the start of the year. Um, S&P dropped uh, 45 points, about 1.2%, to 38.08. Dow Jones uh dropped 339 one percent to 32.930 we're going to go sub 30 probably by the beginning of february uh nasdaq uh fell 153 and uh about 1.5 all the index has notched some level of gains on wednesday and they gave it all back uh the very next day so we'll see what's happening consumer prices rose by 7.1 percent november um that continues to stay pretty elevated economic growth and inflation have uh, showed signs of slowing the economy and uh, we will probably get another rate increase. So not to the three quarter rate increases that we've got four previous times. Um, but a lot of people thinking that we're on the other side of the inflation ball. So that's good. David Ballin, chief investment officer at the city global wealth said he expects the unemployment rate will rise in 2023. We get the unemployment rate numbers tomorrow and that the fed will have its first rate cut toward the end of the year. So that is good news. Uh, uh, a lot of these companies um, who are doing big layoffs, uh, they have said that they actually hired too many people during the pandemic. So that's really what they're putting out in front. And, you know, Amazon did too much hiring. Microsoft did too much hiring. I don't know. Other people weren't going to work, but apparently they were. So um, maybe it's all that soft money that was coming from the government. Bed Bath & Beyond filing after uh, everybody was, uh, you know, making their places where they lived as perfect as possible, you know, Amazon is struggling. They've lost more than a trillion dollars. Bed Bath & Beyond is preparing to file for BK within weeks after the home goods retailer came up short on sales during the critical holiday season. I don't even know where Bed Bath & Beyond is anymore. It's in the early stages of planning for Chapter 11. Uh, they could extend into February. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond warned earlier Thursday that it might file for bankruptcy protection that has substantial doubt that it can stay in business after enduring another quarter of deep losses and slumping sales. A spokeswoman uh, for BB&B said, uh, B-Cubed, said the company continues to work with advisors to regain market share and improve the company's liquidity. Everyone's already got every towel, every blanket, every, hey, let's take that shower, you know, every accoutrement for making your perfect, you know, everyone has spas in their houses nowadays. I mean, that's, that's kind of sort of where they, everyone's at. Bed Bath & Beyond shares and bonds have been trading at distressed levels. After the retail reported string of losses, burned through its cash reserves, worked in recent months with financial advisor Lazard and law firm Kirkland and Ellis on its strategic options. And uh, they have stated that they continue to manage their financial position amidst a changing landscape and work with expert advisors that they consider all paths of strategic alternatives to accomplish their short and long-term goals. Uh, by the way, a Buster died from Dave and Buster's. We no longer have a Buster's here, Dave and Buster's here. My kids loved it. Uh, we used to go all the time, and now they had just have a, you know, four hundred dollar Xbox where they just instead of doing that, it's a one time bill once a month about sixty bucks where they get skins and everything for Fortnite and all the rest of the other stuff. So I've saved money, but you've also uh, spent a lot of money. You could spend five hundred dollars at Dave and Buster's, but uh, Buster killed himself. Dave of the Dave, uh, Dave died earlier. Uh, they flipped a coin, by the way. That's how they got to their name. They weren't sure who was going to come first. They had two um, properties next to each other. One was entertainment. One was a restaurant. And then they put it together, and it's food and entertainment in the same place. And they had been doing it for years. But 
Uh, I guess he had declining health as of late. He died at the age of 71. Sad thing to report there because I'm certainly a big fan of uh, David Buster's, but uh, there you go. And finally, last news to wrap and the least important, uh, the Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game that was suspended following Hamlin's cardiac arrest, which has yet to be determined as a cause, um, was uh, basically uh, forfeited forever. So the NFL won't resume the Bills-Bengals games that was suspended Monday night after Buffalo safety Hamlin collapsed and went into cardiac arrest. So there it is, folks. We'll wrap the week tomorrow on a Friday night. I'll be here live with you for a Friday from 8 to 11. Stay tuned. Coast to Coast AM is next. We are live 24 hours a day. Lots and lots of good stuff here in the... But as always, download the app. See you tomorrow. Sway. They don't like me like I love you. Sway. They don't like me like I love you. Sway.